0: Well, uh, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. There we go. Um, I know it was a little bit of a longer video, but it, uh, some of these sermons that uh, I've been kind of giving or these stories have very, are very big. They are epic. The, the story of creation, uh, over 30 some verses, and, and in a way I wanted to not have to read it to you, but also for us to have the picture of all of the six days of creation, seventh day that God rested, but this whole idea, and, and I think a lot of people might ask the question or go, you know, you know it's a good story, it's a, it, yeah, it's an epic story, it's something that I've, I've known, um, I've, I've read, I've, I've heard, I've studied, but I think a lot of times I think maybe people think it's just a story. Some people might even think, well, it's not really true. It may not happen exactly the way that the Bible says. Like, there's a part of us that, that I think wants to believe, and a part of us that wants to sometimes look at these stories in the Bible and kind of go, eh, eh, eh. I mean, is it, does it matter? Does it matter that this story, that in the Bible when it talks about creation, does it matter that when we read it, we believe that it's true? Does it matter? You know, I think that's the biggest thing that we can maybe look at when we look at the Bible or or things like that, to say, you know, when I read a story, I can take it my own way and believe whatever I want to believe it to, to say. That would be a dangerous perspective or a dangerous place to go. If we read the Bible, we have to believe what the Bible says is true. Otherwise, we will create our own worldview, our own perspectives, and most of the time, if not all of the time, they'll be wrong. Because the Bible is the word of God, and it is true. You see, we have a couple of reasons why I believe it's important for us to believe the story of creation. And for us to to hold on to the biblical worldview that God created the heavens and the earth. That God created mankind. And that God has a purpose and a plan in his creation. And what he has done is good. There is a clashing worldview out there that many of you read or study or look at. And we, there's another worldview that I basically look at it from a naturalistic evolution without a creator worldview. And with that idea of an evolution, a naturalistic worldview, there are other ideas that come from that type of worldview that are absolutely apart from what God's plan is. And if you ascribe to that type of thinking, you are not having a biblical worldview that is what God says in the Bible in the story of creation. You are creating or believing something that is not true, and it is dangerous to believe that. So if you were to give me a little bit of time today, I want to wrestle through with a couple of thoughts. And then I'm I'm hoping by the end of the sermon, it's really going to be about a new creation that God is creating inside of each and every one of us. And that someday he's going to end up recreating, in a sense, the new heaven and the new earth for Shalom. Because when we started this world, when God started this world in heaven, then he created, you know, all the things we just saw. When he created all these things... It was good. It was shalom. It was peaceful. It was a place, of utopia, and somehow humans got on it and we wrecked the place. And somehow God is going to redeem and restore it back to shalom at some point in time. That's the good message and that's the good news. And he's going to use us in so many ways to do some amazing things with a new creation. But if you're a follower of the Bible and you must believe in creation... And if you don't, there are some, some struggles here that you may have. Now, some of these things that I read uh, today, you may not 100% agree with, and you may wrestle with, and you may have questions, and that's okay. I don't know if any of us have, um, you know, could ever get to heaven someday, and, and God gives us a test and says, hey, um, you know what? First off, you know, here's a 100 point test on all your knowledge of the Bible. You've got to get 95% right, otherwise, you're not in. I'm sure hoping that's not, you know, what happens. And, and when it comes to creation, you got to get 85% out of, you know, whatever. No. Like, I don't think we're going to have a percentage. It's going to be one question with one answer. Why should I let you into heaven? Jesus. <laughs> yes. Got that one right. The Sunday school answer. Jesus died on the cross for me. He rose to new life. I believed in him, put my faith in him. That's why I'm here. There's no other reason. Not what I know, not what I can do, not because I'm so good, because I'm not. It's because Jesus was good for me. You know, okay, gospel, okay? But here are some thoughts today that we can wrestle with. When we talk about creation and God's word, that God is a creator, and it's about him versus the idea of evolution, which is man's word, okay? So here's some of these thoughts. In the beginning, God created, okay? Okay? That's a creation, God's word, in God's word. Evolution, man's word. This other clashing worldview says, "Well, any alleged God is not necessary, all things cre- came about by a natural process without God. Okay? That's, this is sort of the competing worldviews that are out there in our world today. The next one. Well, God is truth. We believe that. In the Bible, we hold on to that. But in this evolution or this naturalistic worldview Man's word, there is no absolute truth, yet they illogically believe that this is the absolute truth. That there is no absolute truth. Well, you're making an absolute truth claim. (laughs) If You say there is no absolute truth, but that's your absolute truth. Anyway, God is truth. And what God says is true is true. If we want to be a biblical belief in believing that the Bible is true, we have to believe these types of things. The next one. And This one, I know some will debate on this, and that's okay. But God created the universe in six, six 24-hour days, a young earth theory, around 6,000 years ago. You know, man's word or evolution, the universe was formed over billions of years. We have these different views. The next one, God's word. God created all living things according to their kinds and told them to reproduce Evolution, man's word, all life evolved from a single-celled organism. God created man in his image. Evolution says man evolved like every other animal. So in in many ways, we are just an animal in the picture of a naturalistic view, not in the image of God, which has ramifications if you think about that. Let an animal be an animal, but if you're created in the image of God who is who's good, then there's a a higher morality, a higher perspective that comes with that. Next one, God created marriage. Here's Here's one that would be debated and people will question and people will not love this thought, but God created marriage as for one man and for one woman, for life. In evolution, marriage can be whatever it wants. It can evolve. We can just, you know... I don't know what it is in the Bible, but there are so many times in the Bible where it talks about this idea of like, like that they, God just gave them over to whatever that their minds would allow them to think or to do. They invented new ways of sinning, you know. Like that's that's a biblical perspective of like how we have fallen so far away from what the Bible teaches. God allowed them to do what ought not to be done, is what the Bible speaks to. Another one, God decides what is right and wrong. We have a superior being that decides, like he's right and he, you know, he's what's right and what's wrong, and do this or don't do this, and this type of perspective. And man's evolution under man's word is man decides what is right and wrong if right or wrong even exist. Does this story of creation and does this, you know, does it matter if we believe in the Bible or not, and what God says in the story of creation, does it really matter? Yes, it does. Creation, God's word, man, man broke God's law and is guilty before him. Only God is good. In the evolutional way, we would say man is basically good if such a thing as good even exists. I mean, you know, we, this is always one that I find that we struggle with as we think, well, you know, basically people are good. If you look at the Bible, the Bible speaks to the opposite message. It says that that God created us good, but we fell, and in that falling, the original sin idea, like we have, every time we're born, we're born with a sin nature, and we're not basically good, no, we're basically bad. But God is good, and he's redeeming us from what was bad. He's making good through Jesus. You see, but 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 we have to have like this is the, the type of teaching that maybe pastors don't want to talk about or teach that much because people go, Wow, ah, pastor told me I was basically bad today. Well, no, I'm telling you that God sees that you are good, he loves you so much, but in your nature, human nature. You desire to be selfish, you desire to have sin in your life, and you look towards that, not towards God. The Bible says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. It says that we've all turned away. We've all gone our own way, and somehow God is drawing us back. He loves us so much that he's pursuing us. He's bringing us back to have a relationship to redeem and restore us into a perfect relationship with him, to set us free from the sin, set us free from our selfishness. That is the gospel, that is the good news. We are not basically good. I'm sorry to have to break the news to many of us today. That's a, that's a evolution perspective In creation, God's word, death, thorns, and disease are a result of man's sin. Evolution, death, thorns, and disease exist millions of years before man and are the hero that drives evolution. Does it matter what we believe? Is this epic story something that we believe? Creation, is this something we believe? Yes. And does it matter? Yes, because, because God created the world and he created it with, with people and he created it in his own image and he created marriage and he created you know, all these things. And what happens is, is that the devil comes in, the, the, the serpent, the, the, the father of lies comes in and he confuses Everything. He tries to to manipulate and confuse us and he tries to lie to us. Well, you can eat of that tree. God wants you to eat of that tree. It's okay to eat of that tree. Wait, I thought God said don't eat from that tree. No, it's fine. Go ahead and do it because you'll be like God. And isn't that what God wants is for you to be like God? Oh, man, well, yeah, man, maybe that makes sense, right? Right? I mean, isn't that kind of the, the lie of the enemy? And, and we listen to that and we go, yeah, that's probably right. And we just go and we do the exact thing that God tells us not to do. Why? Well, because that, that serpent, well, because that woman of yours. Because when we start to blame everybody else, we don't hold on to our own. I am a wretched person. I chose that path. I made that decision to drink that, that bottle or I made that decision to look at that website. I made that decision to do this. I made that decision to do that. God is good. We are not so good. But God came to, to restore it to restore us back to himself, like, like out of this beautiful shalom, this perspective. I mean, actually, if we look at this creation story, we could say this first. We could say, out of chaos, God creates shalom. Out of chaos, God creates peace. Out of chaos, God creates harmony. Out of chaos, God creates you know, order, and he creates a utopia, a perfect place. See because in the Bible when it says in the beginning God in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness fell on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters first verse in the Bible What does that mean That means It was full of void and emptiness and darkness. That doesn't seem like a perfect place. That seems just like a just like complete void, complete emptiness. It seems like or sounds like just chaos, like nothing of order, nothing created, just, just whatever, emptiness. And what does God first do? Creation. He creates order. He creates, you know, darkness and light, and you go through the six days of creation. He creates all of these things that make sense to us now, right? And we look back and we can read these things, we're going, oh yeah, I didn't know he made made you know trees and that, you know fruit that we could eat from. And he, of course he needed to create the sun and light and photosynthesis, right? Like, like, like it makes all these sense. Like it makes sense that this is how God is the creator. Not only is he the creator of life, he is the sustainer of life. He says, go and, and multiply. He says, go and eat and 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 you know produce life. And I mean all this kind of stuff is from God. God creates shalom. God creates peace. God creates harmony. God creates unity. He creates this utopian world. He creates this perfect garden. But out of shalom, out of peace, we create chaos. We create havoc. We create problems. You know, some people ask this question sometimes, and I've heard this before. You know, they ask this question like, why does God not just get rid of all the evil in the world? Why doesn't he just get rid of all of the evil? Why doesn't he just make that decision? Right now, if he's all powerful, why could he not just do that? I think the best answer I've ever heard was, if God could do that, he'd have to remove all of us because we're a source of the evil in this world. And if he's a loving God, would you say that if God smited us all because he's, he, he, he should do that, Like, does that, that make God good then? Or does it make God good that instead of smiting us all and getting rid of us all, He says, No, let me take their place on the cross. Let me take their punishment. Let me take their sin. Let me take their, you know, problems. Let me take all of them and all of the reasons why I should smite them. Let me put it on my own son on the cross. Let me take their place. One of my favorite movies uh, when it comes to one scene in one of my favorite movies is the, is the movie The Shack. And one of my favorite scenes is when, 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 when um, Mac, the, the dad who loses the daughter in the story, and if you don't know the story, you know, you can watch it if you want to, whatever. But he goes into a, a cave and he meets with Wisdom. And Wisdom is just this, this woman who's this picture of like, of like you, know, you know, she's smart or whatever. And basically, Mac is trying to wrestle with this idea of like, like why does God not ru- you know, get rid of evil in this world? Why does he not get rid of this man who, who abused his daughter and kills his daughter? Why does he not see that happening before it happens and just destroy that guy before it even happens? And, 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 and Mac is struggling, and Mac's looking at the wisdom, and he's kind of going, I don't get it. Like, why? And she says, why don't you sit on the, the judgment seat, and you judge Because you think God does that. You think God is the judge. You think that God can make all of the decisions and and, and judge all the different people, so you sit here. And she goes, well, I don't want to sit there. goes, no, you sit there. And now, let me ask you a question. Which one of your kids that are still alive, daughter, son, is gonna go to heaven, and which one's gonna go to hell? You decide. I mean, none of us as parents would ever, ever imagine wanting to be the judge of having to decide, and he goes, you think God says that you have to do that? So you gotta do it. He goes, I won't, I can't. Don't make me, please don't. And then you know what he says at the very end? Take me. Take me. I would rather go in their place than for me to have to decide which one of my kids goes to hell, right? Is God not a loving God? That he says, in, just, just get rid of us all, that we've created the problem? He's the one that says, don't send them, send me. It's a beautiful story, why does he do that? Because he's trying to redeem and restore us and bring us back into relationship with him. He saw that his creation was good, and he wants what is good for all of us, and yet we choose what's bad. And so what he does is he does what's super good, is he finds a way to restore and redeem all of us back to himself again. And that's through Jesus. That's through his sacrifice you see, God has is, is, is got this whole story throughout all the Bible. He's trying to bring his creation back into this perfect shalom, this perfect utopia, this perfect place. And I know that's true because I've read the end of the book just as much as I've read the beginning of the book. At the end of the book, it says this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I saw John, um, uh, I, or then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with his men, that God, God dwells with his men, and, and he will dwell with them, and, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and their, and be their God. You see the restoration? You see the redemption? You see what God's doing to restore the broken relationship? And he's like, I will create a new heaven and I'll create a new earth. And God, not only do will, will I be their, the, I will be their God and they will be my people. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. For the former things have passed away. All of the stuff in the past, all of our lives presently today is gonna pass away because God's gonna restore everything back to to this utopia, this perfect place, a perfect heaven, a perfect new earth, a new new relationship with us and, and for us to be perfect in his sight again. I mean, how good is it that God is, I mean, he is so good that that he wants this relationship with us, and the very next words, he says this, this is in Revelation, he says this, then he who sat on the throne said, can you believe this? Jesus himself, sitting on the throne, John is seeing this vision, and he's going, then the guy that sits on the throne says, behold, I make all things new, behold, I make all things new. What a message for us today on New Year's Eve. Because we can even believe that there are seasons of life that are hard. There are years that are hard. There are days that are hard. There are, are, are times that we just got done sharing. You know, Lori, you had shared, and, and Jane, you would shared. And, but there's something new that's going to happen. Because God is good. And he's not done with Allie. He's not done With John and Rachel. He's still making all things new. This is at the end of the story. And what is he doing at the end of the story? Behold, I make all things new. So the fact is your story, your situation, like you're not even at the end of your life and this is happening at the end of all time. And what does he say at the end of all time? He says, I'm making all things new. So he's making things new right now in you. He says, And he goes, and not only that, he says, and he said to me, John, he says to John, he's like, John, in the vision, the the one that's sitting on the throne, Jesus himself, says to John, you better write these things down. (laughs) For these words are true and faithful. They're true. The Bible's true. I'm gonna do what I tell you I'm gonna do. And he said to me this, this was, he says, it is done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of waters of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son and daughter. God is making all things new. Out of chaos, God creates shalom. Out of shalom, we create chaos. And out of chaos, God's going to create shalom again. And not only just in the earth sense, he's going to create it in your life. The Bible says this um, in Ezekiel. He prophesies way back in Ezekiel says, "I will give them, give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put in them, and I will remove the heart of stone from their, from their your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my commands." It says in First Second Corinthians chapter 17, It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone put their faith in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation." Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The promise of transformation. You see, God doesn't just take the broken things and just leaves them broken. He takes the broken things and he fixes them. He doesn't take the things that are, are left off you know, the shelf in the corner of the room that just get ignored. He takes those things and he puts them in the center of the room and he highlights them. He, he, he brings back dead people to life. He brings back the spiritually dead and he brings spiritual life inside of each and every one of you who believe. Like God, that's the, God is a transformer of people's lives because he creates something new inside of each and every one of us. I'm supposed to be done right now. Does anybody care if I go a little bit longer? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like i got a whole other 25 minutes. Just hang in there. Kids, youth, if you want to go, just like walk out. I'm okay with that. Um, transformation. I, I wanted to talk about this because I think it gets to some practical ways God is moving and transforming us to new things. It gets, it gets deeper than just, here's a good verse that, you know, should make us feel good. But like, but what actually happens? How does it actually work? And um, I, I saw this uh, at an work thing the other day. Um, <laughs> I shared this before, uh, but on the screen, they talk about the transformational journey, and it talks about when we know, when we come to know Christ, and it says that, uh, and you know what, Eaglebrook told me, too, that uh, they, at the thing, they said they steal a bunch of stuff, just to put that out there, so, um, so they probably stole this from somebody else, but anyway, first off, we explore, we think about Christianity, we, like, we hear about things of God, and we start to explore, like, what does it mean to have a relationship with God, like, what does it mean to have, you know, any type of, like, you know, we don't know about God, so we, we question, we ask, we see the stars, we look at you know, people's lives, like all the things we talked about even through the Christmas series. But at some point in time, we actually find Jesus. However that happens, you know, Jesus somehow you know, reveals himself through a story, a situation, um, hardship through the Bible, through his word. But at some point in time, you and I have come to faith in Christ, and we basically receive Jesus, and at that moment, we die to our sin, and the sin there is sort of this religious term. We understand that we've died to sin. And I believe at this moment for sure, no doubt, that in some ways we are secure in Christ in that moment. But it's not that it's completely, that we're not sanctified. We've not completely went through all of the, the process in a way of, of complete renewal and complete new life. Like we're still not so good we're still trying to figure out things even though God sees us as righteous and good inside of us there's still some evil and some struggle inside and there's this transformational journey the very next thing is we become this new Christian and these these people here and I love new Christians they're like the best because they go out and they get the brand new Bible right and they get the sticker on their car and, you know, they, get, they do all the things in a way that, like, that goes, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. And they, they turn the radio station to KTIS, you know, like, perfect, you know, like, good for you guys. Like, the new Christian, they, they're super excited and they want to learn. And every, everything that you share in the Bible, they're like, oh, I can't believe it. We love new Christians. <laughs> Most people don't want to be new Christians for very long. They want to grow. And so the next level, in a sense of, or part of the journey is growing and these are the people like that, that sit in the congregation today. like People that are faithful and that, that are growing in the relationship with God. And, and they get to a certain point in their life when like, like they just want to grow so much that they're reading every book and they're, read, they're going to every Bible study they can go to. They're doing all kinds of things to kind of build into their mind and in their heart. And it's so good. like It's so, so good. And, and we, wanna, we don't want to just be, you know, we will, we'll quote verses like, you know, you know, the, the, the younger Christians drink the milk, but we need solid food. We need the steak. Like that's sort of the idea of growth and this sort of idea of like, like I'm growing and, and, and these types of people at times, they get to a certain point when they keep trying to grow farther and better and better and some point in time, I gotta tell you, I think this is true and it makes me so sad when it becomes more about them than it becomes about God when they grow so much to say, you know what, the color of the carpet shouldn't be that color. The way that the children's program is run isn't the best way, I know the best way because I read the 14 books on it. The Bible study that you're teaching really shouldn't be said that, or well, you know what, and you're talking about what you said today, Josh, no, 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 that's not true. What you just said there, no. It should have been said this way, what? See, all of a sudden we've gotten to a point when, when, when we start kind of like thinking that we know so much better and, it, and discipleship becomes the ascent of knowledge that if I know more than you, I'm somehow better than you in Christianity. And the reality is if you look at Jesus, it's the opposite, uh, the opposite of that. He's like, humble yourself. Knowledge puffs up. It says love builds up. If you want to be my disciple, you know, serve, give. But among you, it's going to be different. You're going to be not first in the line, you're going to be last in line. You want to be my leader, you're going to be a servant and a slave. If you want your way, turn your way and come follow me. Turn from your way and come follow me. It's the opposite. A lot of Christians that are growing end up hitting a wall, they end up hitting a wall and they get to a certain point when they're frustrated and, they, and these are the you know they have gone from church to church and they've done different things and there's just something inside of them that they're struggling with and 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 God loves you. God loves you and he's restoring, he wants to bring you in a new creation but there's something that's still struggling there and many times at this point either people fall away from God or they find Jesus a second time. And this is what happens is they basically have a second cross experience. And this time they die to self. They go, it's not about me. These have become the people who follow Jesus. And they say, boy, I just want to give my life to help other people know him. It's not about me being better than you. It's not about me, you know, you know, giving more money and wanting everybody to know I gave more money or this or that, the other thing. It's all about who are we leading to Jesus Who's coming with? Oh, I, I don't look at your sin. I'm not so that like God's going to work on you. I know it, but come join us. See, this is like Christ. In the story of Zac- Zacchaeus, what does he do? He, he says, come, come on down from that tree. Let's go eat at your house. What? I'm not worthy of you. Yes, you are. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to, to go after those. That were lost, to create something new into something that was old and dead, to bring something back to life. Christ-like, ministry-minded people. If you read the Bible and you read about Jesus, he was all about going after those people. And he was all about others, not himself. He was always focused on others. And it was about bringing them into relationship. The Bible says this, In Galatians, the last verse, the band can start to come back up. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work when you accepted Him in and you believed And he's at work creating something that was bad to something that is good. God was doing the same thing for all creation. When he created the world, he created it good. We made it bad. And he's been trying to restore us, trying to restore this earth, to create it all in a place that's good again. And he's at work doing that. The last verse, or Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Church today, I pray that for us in this church, that a message like today isn't a message that's gonna make us feel disappointed or discouraged or frustrated, but it's a message for us to say, wow, God is good. He has a plan. And he's redeeming and restoring the broken, the hurting, the lost, the weary. He's bringing them back into shalom, into peace with him, into relationship. He's cleaning them up from what he's done and what he's doing. And we just receive it in and we get transformed by his spirit. Father, I pray today for our church. I pray that as we continue to move into a new year, into new opportunities, That we would look out for others' interests, not our own. That we would want to be a part of the solution in this world, which is all about selflessness and love and bringing people to the light and helping be a part of your mission to redeem and restore that which was broken and to create something new. If there's any person that has felt dead in their spirit... I pray, Father, that they receive you in again today and that they'd have life because that's what you do. You bring life to those that are dead. I pray, Father, that you would bring life again in this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd stand and join us as we sing this last song together.